top stories this evening live from New York City. Home buyers getting some breathing room. One in five sellers are cutting prices. There are also more homes coming onto the market. Apple's iPhone overtaking Android and taking the lead in the U.S., accounting for over half of active smartphones. And G7 countries agree to cap the price of Russian oil to hurt Moscow's ability to fund its war. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here for NTD Business. The housing market is cooling off fast. Realtor.com says one in five sellers dropping their asking price in August. It's about twice as many compared to a year ago. The median listing price also dropped to $435,000. It's down $14,000 from the month before. And for the first time in over 17 months, the average home sold for less than its listing price, according to Redfin. Homes just aren't selling like they were six months ago when there were strong demand and short supply. But now supply is going up. It's going up fast, up nearly 27% from a year ago. And from the housing market to the jobs market, employers haven't been as gung-ho about hiring people over the past few weeks. But the need for more workers still there and rising. According to the latest government report, the U.S. added 315,000 jobs in August. It's higher than what many economists had predicted, but still noticeably lower than the 526,000 positions in July. Last month's jobs report will be among the main factors the Fed will look at as it weighs how much to raise interest rates to curb inflation. Earlier this week, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported there there were nearly two jobs available for every one person looking for one. And to talk more about the jobs report, I had Julia Pollack on earlier. She's the chief economist at job search firm ZipRecruiter. Here's what she said. Julia, great having you on as always. 315 jobs added in August, definitely less than the previous month, but still above expectations. How do you feel about this month's jobs report? This was a Goldilocks jobs report. It was about as good as it could be. Uh, we have very strong, robust, broad-based gains. You know, that's almost twice as many jobs uh, that, uh, as the economy added each month in 2019. So a big number. Yes, a slowdown from the month before, but, a st- but still a very, very good and encouraging number. But there were really great things uh, you know, below the headline number, uh, like the increase in labor force participation. And that was the, the biggest story of this report. People are coming back to work. Now, let me ask you this, though. Unemployment rate, right, rose to 3.7%, increased of uh, 344,000. And we're hearing about Snapchat layoffs, Bed Bath & Beyond as well. And another thing, weekly work hours went down a tenth of a percent. So, I don't know, is is the labor market at, at a turning point right now? think so. I think it's just slowly, gradually tilting back to normal. Uh, we have now hit several big milestones. We saw private sector employment recover, then overall employment recover, and now even the service sector recover to pre-COVID levels. With the jobs hole filled, we should expect job gains to go back to a more normal pace. Now tell me, what's behind the people coming back to work? So anytime the unemployment rate is below 4%, we do actually see participation tick up usually. And that's because more people will try to find a job if it becomes easier to do so. Uh, 
you know, frankly, it's been very strange that labor force participation has been so low uh, with these huge payroll job gains. And uh, perhaps it was just a statistical blip and the labor force was, was stronger in these past few months all along. Are people working multiple jobs? Yes, yeah, so we have seen the number of multiple job holders increase in recent months. And that usually happens whenever there's a tight labor market with, with big job gains. And that's because that number is driven less by need and more by opportunity. Uh, so people take on multiple jobs when there are multiple jobs to be had. So what's behind that, people working fewer hours? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, that may just be because we're seeing employers add more workers. And so the average number of hours worked per worker can come back down again to more normal levels. Uh, before that, many companies were so overstaffed that they were uh, overworking the workers they had and giving them way too many shifts. Uh, so perhaps we're you know, getting back to, to normal and allowing workers to have a little bit more work-life balance uh, and a little bit, more, a little bit less stress and, and understaffing. Uh, you know, I think there is sort of a, a negative story in this report, too. There is something uh, to be concerned about, and that's that while employment has recovered, you know, almost across the board, uh, there's one place where it is not, where it's actually sliding backwards, and that is in our public schools. Uh, and you know, we just got news this week that test results, that literacy and uh, numeracy test results, reading and, and, and uh, writing comprehension have, um, and math proficiency, sorry, have, have gone down uh, and, and erased two decades of gains. So we know there's a, a really serious need in education. We need to get back to school with fully staffed schools, with the libraries open, with all the services being offered that kids need to thrive. It doesn't look as though we're going to get there. It looks as though we have a lot of work to do. Now on that point, what, there's a teacher shortage, right? How does that fit in the, the whole picture? Yeah, there are more than 360,000 fewer staff in our public schools than there were before COVID. And there are many reasons to see why that's the case. Uh, local government employees are seeing the slowest wage growth. Uh, we're also seeing lots and lots of workers transition out of in-person roles and into office jobs that have now become remote jobs. Uh, schools, of course, remain an in-person role uh, environment where there's limited schedule flexibility. And so schools ideally would have to make up for that by offering higher wage growth. Uh, instead, they're at the bottom of the pack. All right. Thank you for coming on today. Julia Pollack, Chief Economist at Zip Recruiter. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me on, Joe. U.S. stocks closed out the week on a down note today. The Dow lost 338 points or one and one tenths of percent. S&P dropped 43 points or also one and one tenths of percent. And the Nasdaq fell 154 points or one and three tenths of a percent. All three indexes ended the week lower, marking their third straight week of losses. Amazon tried to get rid of its first union, but in the end was unsuccessful. The union is called the Amazon Labor Union, and back in April, over 2,600 workers in a Staten Island warehouse joined it. Amazon tried to get rid of it by submitting a filing to the National Labor Relations Board. The filing contained 25 objections. It argued that labor organizers intimidated workers into joining the union. But after 24 long days of hearings, 
the board concluded that the union should prevail. The board says Amazon could not prove that the union engaged in objectionable conduct. And Starbucks announcing its new leader. Laxman Narasimhan will be the coffee giant's incoming CEO on October 1st. Narasimhan will transition to CEO in April of next year. The months in between will serve as a time for, for meetings with company officials, including current CEO Howard Schultz. They'll be discussing a number of things, and one of them will be Schultz's reinvention plan for Starbucks. Narasimhan will also join Schultz as a board member. He previously served as CEO of the Reckitt Benkiser Group. And Apple is apparently doing something right with the iPhone, it seems. It now surpasses Android among smartphone users in the U.S. NTD's Sean Marshall has more. The Apple iPhone market has been growing. Apple has overtaken Android devices to account for more than half of smartphones used in the U.S., according to data from CounterPoint Research. Let's hear what the key differences might be from tech expert Burton Kelso and learn what type of phone he prefers. I got an iPhone, <laughs> and that's interesting from a tech guy perspective because a lot of tech experts prefer Android because of the ability to customize those devices. But for me, I just need a phone that's going to be able to achieve what I need. So I just need to be able to check email, surf the web, and interact with the apps that I use for myself and for my business. Rocco likes the rewards he gets from Apple, which he can apply toward the purchase of newer iPhone versions. Right now, he isn't happy with his current iPhone, but says he's a loyal customer. I would get like a good year, maybe 14 months out of it. And then after that, I got to buy a new charger or I got to do research on what's the next one going to be. Like right now, I, this phone does not charge well. And I've already been told that I got to uh, be patient and wait for the 14 to drop in September. So for the past four or five months, I've been dealing with charging issues and just, you know, the issues I've been dealing with since the, uh, the since I had the four. Kelso has another reason why he prefers iPhone. As far as my iPhone is concerned, I don't have to worry about cyber threats because Apple does an excellent job of making sure that there aren't any malicious apps uploaded to the App Store, whereas with the Google Play Store, there's always that chance that you could download an important app that may actually be a virus or malware. Consumer research firm Strategic Vision found that before even announcing the release of a vehicle, Apple ranked third among respondents, saying that they would definitely consider an Apple car. And over 50% of Tesla owners would definitely consider a future Apple vehicle. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Microsoft is facing scrutiny in the UK over its plan to buy video game giant Activision Blizzard. Britain's competition regulator said the deal could hurt competition and it needs to be investigated. The merger is considered the biggest ever deal in the gaming industry. Activision is the maker of highly popular games like Call of Duty and World of Warcraft. The concerns are that Microsoft could use its power over Activision to harm rivals. For example, Microsoft could potentially prevent the games from being available on PlayStation. But the company says that won't happen. Both Microsoft and Activision said they will continue to cooperate with the regulator. They have until next Thursday to respond. And Google on Thursday revealed how it will combat so-called misinformation ahead of the midterm elections. 
And as part of the effort, Google says it'll launch a new tool that highlights local and regional journalism about campaigns and races. So when you search how to vote, you'll see information sourced from state election officials. Information could include important dates, deadlines based on your location, as well as how to cast a ballot. YouTube, also owned by Google, said it will highlight, quote, verified news sources and show labels beneath videos that provide accurate election information. YouTube says it's also working to prevent harmful election misinformation from being recommended to viewers through algorithms. Recently, documents revealed that over 50 Biden administration officials were pressuring social media firms to censor what they called misinformation. Now, House Republicans have introduced a bill that would punish anyone who does just that. Entities Colin Fredrickson has more. House Republicans have introduced the Protecting Speech from Government Interference Act. Authored by three top Republicans, the bill would punish federal government employees who pressure tech companies to censor speech. This comes after recently released documents showed that over 50 Biden administration officials were doing just that. It's not just a few individuals within the government, what we might call lone wolves or rogues, but rather a systemic uh, government-wide, really an all-of-government effort to uh, attack, censor, deplatform. Robert Malone is the president of the International Alliance of Physicians. He contributed significantly to the development of mRNA vaccine technology, but was heavily censored for discussing his interpretation of vaccine data. In his upcoming book, Lies My Government Told Me, Malone talks about why he thinks the government is doing this. It's multifactorial. Uh, there's absolutely a component of incompetence. Uh, there's also a component of groupthink in the decision makers. But overlying that, you cannot deny because it is published and the speeches have been made and the records exist that there has been a concerted effort to, at a minimum, exploit this situation for commercial, economic, and political gain by a number of uh, large transnational actors. Malone suggests the federal government may have violated the First Amendment. For a government entity to come and say, hey, we think this is the best for you, this is, uh, it has no harm but nothing but benefit, they better have uh, a great evidence to show us that's the case. And if they don't. Dr. Michael Huang is a private practice physician who doesn't support vaccine mandates. He ran for California State Senate a few months ago and came across a lot of censorship along the way. We're not able to get our video out. Uh, people, when they um, uh, decided to follow me, and they basically get disengaged and, and, and basically not sign out to follow us anymore. If the bill passes the House, it will then have to pass the Senate, then be signed by the president before it can become a law. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. And Bank of America is now offering a new affordable home loan plan. It hopes it will help more blacks and Latinos become homeowners. The Community Affordable Loan Solution is for first-time home buyers looking to buy in certain markets. That's including Los Angeles, Atlanta, Detroit, Dallas, and Miami. Eligibility is based on income and home location. Properties must be located in areas that are more than 50% black and or Hispanic. Bank of America says no down payment is required, neither are closing costs or even a minimum credit score. 
Instead, the loan uses financial guidelines based on factors like timely bill payments. Prospective buyers will have to complete a certification course before applying for the program. And over a billion dollars to inmates, the IRS reportedly sent millions of stimulus checks to prisoners. Our reporter spoke with a former IRS agent to find out if this could have been avoided. The IRS reportedly told Republican Representative Don Bacon that they sent out $1.3 billion worth of stimulus checks to inmates. That's according to the Washington Free Beacon. NTD called the IRS to confirm whether that's true, but the agent didn't provide the information on the phone and later didn't reply to our email. Over 160,000 of those stimulus checks reportedly went to people serving life sentences without the possibility of parole and over one million inmates received stimulus checks, according to the letter obtained by Representative Bacon. A study conducted by the Sentencing Project found that life sentences are mostly given to criminals convicted of homicide and rape. Michael Sullivan is a former IRS agent. He says he doesn't think people serving life sentences should have received those checks. But according to him, the IRS has no way of knowing the status of inmates. They can do absolutely nothing. The IRS computer systems are so old right now at this time, uh, they probably couldn't hold any other information. When the checks went out, Republican Senator Bill Cassidy proposed an amendment that would have declared inmates ineligible to receive the checks. However, Senate Democrats voted against it in a 50 to 49 vote. The money for the checks was provided by the government, meaning American tax dollars. I think the Americans think the government is wasting a lot of money, sloppy programming, and they don't put filters on the things they need to put filters on. And it's only like the money is monopoly money and paper money. They just give it away without any accountability to it. And I think a lot of it really is just to buy votes. Among the people who received the checks was the Boston Marathon bomber. It's estimated that $80 billion worth of stimulus checks were paid to fake businesses, Former U.S. Attorney Matthew Schneider called it the biggest fraud in a generation. Sullivan the says day, that happened because the IRS simply sent out checks to anyone with a Social Security number. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News. Still to come, don't go away. NASA trying again to launch the first flight in its new mission to the moon after having engine troubles earlier. Major U.S. airlines updating their customer service plans for delays and cancellations, but problems still remain. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. The West's biggest economies on Friday agreed to impose a price cap on Russian oil. It's an attempt to reduce Moscow's ability to fund its war in Ukraine without further stoking global inflation. Finance ministers from the G7 group of countries, which includes the U.S., Japan, Canada, Germany, France, Italy, and the U.K., 
They said they would ban the provision of, quote, services which enable maritime transportation of Russian origin crude oil and petroleum products globally above the price cap. That could block insurance or cover for finance for oil shipments. The maximum price will be set by a broad coalition of countries, they said in a joint statement. It would take effect alongside the European Union's next batch of sanctions, which include a ban on seaborne imports of Russian oil starting in December. Russia had already threatened to retaliate by banning oil exports to countries that implement such a price cap. And Artemis is go for try number two. NASA will try again Saturday to launch the inaugural flight in the Artemis mission. It was first planned for Monday morning, but had to be scrubbed when the team couldn't cool one of the rocket's engines. Engineers now made some changes and seems they're ready to try again. The launch team is very confident. They have, uh, to use a southern term, uh, they have looked at it from izzard to gizzard. And uh, they're very confident. And the only thing that's going to get in the way, if it does, is uh, summertime in Florida, the rainstorms, the lightning storms. Uh, But uh, they're still looking. We got a 60% chance on the weather that it's good. This first flight is an unmanned mission to test NASA's newest space system. It's slated to land another astronaut on the moon for the first time in more than 50 years. It'll be the first time the agency has used its space launch system heavy rocket. This rocket has been in development for more than 10 years. It's intended to replace the space shuttle as NASA's primary space exploration craft, and it could go much further than before into space. And millions are set to travel this holiday weekend. The travel app Hopper estimates that over 12.5 million passengers are scheduled to fly from U.S. airports over the Labor Day weekend. It comes on the heels of a summer of massive flight cancellations. About 55,000 flights were canceled in the U.S. since Friday before Memorial Day. It's according to data from flight tracking site FlightAware, and nearly a quarter of U.S. flights were delayed this summer. Weather and air traffic controller staffing issues reportedly also added to those disruptions. But some industry experts remain optimistic about air travel this holiday weekend. They predict a smoother fall travel season. Major U.S. airlines plan to provide meals for customers who face three hours of delays, as well as hotel rooms for stranded passengers. But only if the airline's at fault. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the new policy. American Airlines, United, Southwest, Delta, and JetBlue are all among the airlines updating their customer service plans. This dashboard from the Department of Transportation compares services each airline provides for delays and cancellations. The services only apply for delays or cancellations that the airlines are at fault for. But for airline passengers at LaGuardia Airport Thursday, problems remained. I don't think the airlines are doing enough in order to make it easier for people to travel because they're asking you to change your flight before they even offer any type of incentive for you to do so. In the past, airline customers often had to ask for meal vouchers or hotel rooms from airlines. But now, the airlines are giving a detailed description of what they offer. Some say vouchers will be given out automatically. Other travelers recounted their recent struggles. Just a couple of days ago, my brother, we were here for a, for, for a job, and 
we were leaving upstate New York for a flight, and his Southwest uh, flight was canceled within you know less than three hours before the flight. I booked a flight for today at four o'clock, and on my way to the airport, I looked at my email, and they had changed it to tomorrow without telling me really just by email. The updated policies are a direct response to a request from the Department of Transportation Secretary. I think the clarity and transparency of telling customers that have had disruptive flights what they are owed is what's most necessary. Uh, it's not exactly uh, what is offered, but you know, putting it out there so the customer knows that they uh, what they're entitled to if their flight is canceled or delayed. Most airlines say if they can't find a hotel room, they will reimburse the stranded passenger for a reasonably priced room. JetBlue will provide $12 meal vouchers. United Airlines will give meal vouchers for the reasonable cost of a meal at airport food vendors. Southwest Airlines says they will either have meal vouchers or reimburse a reasonable amount. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And that's all the stories we have today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us as well at, at business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thanks for watching. We'll be back on Monday.